All right, and now that we're officially in and rolling, uh, Daniel, you were saying something about hating talking to Soren? <laughs> yeah, just, uh, I think we found that the podcast worked best if we just talked, uh, as buddies, and in doing so, I learned that, uh, this was only ever a professional relationship, and the buddy thing was a facade, so, like, now I have to <laughs> pretend that we're not making content when I talk to him, and it's just exhausting. Oh, is that why the QQ logo are like these eerily vacant, empty faces? Absolutely. Like you've almost lost the soul of yourself by doing that show. Well, that's great. I'm so happy to be here with Daniel O'Brien. My name's Michael Swaim. We've also got Abe Everson. Say hi, Abiel. Hi, everybody. And it's frame rate. And it is. And we I lost frames. my steam. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Daniel, I said thanks for being here. Where is here? Because obviously we're not actually physically together, and I think this is relevant to today's discussion. I am in my home state of New Jersey. Titular moment, the Garden State. GIF of what's his name, of uh, Leo pointing at the... I said GIF, people are going to be mad. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we're talking Garden State, and I really appreciate you being method and physically going there. And uh, it did remind me of I was uh, lucky enough to go on one trip with you to New York and we spent some time in Jersey together tooling around. And uh, man, it took me back to that trip. And it is a very beautiful and unique state. I guess I, there's not a lot in the movie about how great Jersey is specifically, no. but um, but it is. It was a fun time. And so I was like, hey, let's have Daniel. No, that's not true. I'm fabricating the origin of this <laughs> podcast. No, no. We just picked it of a group of movies we could talk about. We narrowed it down. But uh, Daniel, you gave us like, I think, five that we could have done. Why did Garden State, Garden State make the list to begin with? It's a movie that's very personal to me uh, in like three different ways uh it came out at the a very special time in my life where i was like it, uh the summer between senior year of high school and freshman year of college when i'm i'm well poised at a place in my life to decide it's time to start forming an identity and this was a movie that was uh i don't even recall at the time how independent it was because it was probably for fox searchlight so still under the broader Fox umbrella. But at the time, it felt so indie to me. It felt so yes. off the beaten path. And mm -hmm. like A Summer When Anchorman is coming out, which I also like, was still like Garden State was a movie where I felt like this is the first time that I'm watching something that is not uh, like marketed directly towards me as a mainstream movie that I have to see. And it's not something that my parents gave to me that, that was a reflection on their taste or like, me trying to ape my brother's taste, my big brother's taste. This was like a movie that I wanted to see and I saw it and it felt indie and it felt very special and it felt like, and like you're, especially when you, it's a movie called Garden State and I live in New Jersey my whole life. It was the only world that I'd known was New Jersey at this point. And I was like, this movie, I don't really have um, emotions yet. I don't have memories at this point in my life, but this movie tricked me into thinking I did in the way that like, Wonder, Year, Wonder Years would make 11-year-olds somehow nostalgic for being 11. Garden State, I watched mm. this movie and I was like, this is, this, this movie, I've decided this movie is deep. And as a result, I've decided I am deep. 
Mm. I also initially found it very deep and very mysterious, which is interesting because, and I think in part because it is seminal to a specific subgenre or maybe a refresh of the rom-com, but a specific like subflow of rom-coms that became such a thing that it now feels the opposite of mysterious. I feel like I can see it assembled very clearly and it doesn't feel that indie. But at the time, I remember looking back on it thinking it was super mysterious and like inscrutable and subversive. Abe, is that what you felt? Now, not now, not cynical Abe now, (laughs) back when this came out. Yeah, I always, I always um, dislike this movie. No, see, that's <laughs> no, that's what I wanted. I wanted Abe to, I wanted even baby yeah, Abe to be like, no, this is bullshit. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's rough because I don't. I'm trying to do a thing in my life where I'm not trying to take things away from people. Why do that? So I don't want to talk about why I think it's the like the worst <laughs> but like oh that's interesting though no we owe it to the audience i because i still see a lot of positive in it uh, i hadn't I seen it see for like, a decade in fact so here's something that i just i think that we yeah. should just like the elephant in the room i think a lot of people think you, this movie's bullshit and we got to dig into that right right i think that it, we can all agree that there's been kind of it was like beloved in 2004 mm-hmm. like started to get a like um like a cult following and then what's soon happened thereafter is like the bush years and all of the things that happened in the following decade uh, plus like we found that their problems were like kind of trite uh manic pixie dream girl became a thing mm-hmm. there's this whole history that goes that i think that this has actually been like we've had like a cult following reversal on this film a lot of people hate this film yes certainly yeah, yeah. and I- there's been a zach braff backlash which is hard to yeah. say uh <laughs> I think where it's seen as almost false indie, like he got that Kickstarter uh, assembled for the movie that followed right. Garden State. And people were like, who are you to get a Kickstarter assembled? Yeah. You were on Scrubs for nine years <laughs> so or whatever. I just yeah. want to say that I hated this movie before it was cool. That's fair. <laughs> to hate so, on it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's only because of something inherently broken in me. I actually saw when I watched this recent, like when I saw this yesterday, um, I didn't overturn my opinion of it, but I did find a lot more um, wholesomeness and uh, just an like an attempt Mm -hmm. to be genuine uh, by Zach Braff, where I thought that it was just completely concocted and um, like actually damaging to what I thought was like what people should be going for, for the art house film or for like, let's, all right, let's not talk about people as characters. Let's talk about them as people's people. Here's some real people. Don't give me this facade of like quirkiness or tweeness um, that I felt like turned art house theater and um, uh, movies into things like uh, Noah, Noah Bombach, Car- Charlie Kaufman, Mumblecore. I thought that was a damaging kind of effort personally that's how just i reacted to it wait wait wait, I think wait. I've so do you as a broad that. swath i want to get back to yeah, yeah uh, it's not daniel also because he likes the movie like i do but before mm. that um are you saying noah bombach i'm gonna throw wes anderson in there because i know you would and mm. like and charlie kaufman are those bad you don't like those people 
Um, to me, those I are three good people. You think they're bad uh, people, Abe. You think they no. don't deserve rights, yeah, yeah. Abe. Say, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Of course, it's very... Each artist is different. I think that there's a lot of really great things that Wes Anderson, for example, has to say about dysfunction. Um, I think that that's all he seems to talk about. And I would like to see him talking about more things with, uh, you know, some with some with his interesting fervor as much fervor as he puts into his walls. Um, No, Bombach, I think, has also has his strengths. But like when it comes to. When it comes to it, like, I think that Mumcore is a trend is more infected by like the style approach and like the the hoping that people are enthused about, like the wonderlust that they show in their characters, you know, like the quirkiness and the tweeness. That's more of the determination of what makes those films those films and that movement that movement than any of the actual real things statements that the films wish to say i think those are like kind of like put under the carpet and just kind of sweeped beneath the visibility and it, it's the wrong way to look at film in my opinion um but that's a strong feeling placed on numerous films and numerous artists so i wouldn't say no i think they're all bad of course not well we're also um, so we all grant it sounds like that garden state at least like launched a movement it definitely, yeah, I'd say yeah. It, it was big. It was big in that movement. I wouldn't say it's the seminal film, but it's definitely the most sure. popular early film. I would say, uh, especially yeah, like now that it's it's so now that it's it's many many years later, it's a huge part of that movement. And as much as important as this film was to me at the time that it came out, and for several years after that, I don't think it's very good for film at large. I think it's probably. Uh, movies that try to to do what this movie did, a lot of them are very bad. A lot of them miss the mark. A lot of them are unwatchable garbage. Uh, and like separate from the stylistic imitators that followed it, there's some like general message stuff in the film that I that might be uh like actively medically harmful. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean. <laughs> It's the story of a guy who finds out that nothing was wrong with him, that he shouldn't be on medication, Mm -hmm. and that he should just not be on medication. One of the resonant lines is, well, maybe what mom wanted more than anything was for it to be over. And I just think it's a pretty brazen assumption to reach emotional catharsis because your character is like the dead person, the person who's left a hole in my soul. They probably wanted to die because they were in yeah. a wheelchair, right? Yeah, let's move on right. from this. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, uh, that's definitely yeah. a thing. And I also think it's a thing that Natalie Portman seems like actually manic, like actually man- medically manic. Yeah. Like uh, it's like an improv person coming up with unique specifics or like general specifics and they just can't stop. Like the Christmas tree thing and the. I mean, there's just so many specific examples, but I want to counterbalance that with like, Abe, you mentioned genuineness that he does seem to have. And I do think that's there. Like my ultimate impression is that Zach Braff is not an incredibly deep guy, but but it's not um, that he was trying to phone it in or even be manipulative because there's stuff Mm -hmm. that I did find resonant in a primal emotional way. Like, right. I want to be okay with feeling something again, even if, if it's pain or that's life, it's real, it fucking hurts, but it's all we have. You're like, yeah, that's true. 
And that's not just like reheated, cobbled together slogans. You know, he's taking a swing at it. I absolutely I think that a lot of when we get into this kind of style based and I don't even there's a lot to talk about and unpack with this because like Zach Braff his approach could be one thing but its results could be a different thing and so I'm going to talk about the results what I see when I see like Little Miss Sunshine or movies like this that really are trying to point out like a emo simulacrum of actual feelings Uh, it feels very like uncanny valley to me. It feels like it's you're dressing something up as a human and it's posing like a human, but in the reality it is, it's more of a ad for like, wouldn't you like to be this? Um, And that is, I think damaging for teens who are trying to find out who they are. Um, I do. I don't think that Zach Braff is intentionally doing that. I think that's the result of the film. And that's just my read on it. I think Zach Braff does a lot of re- like, what is this movie about? I think it came from a real place. I think absolutely feel lost, yes. I think there, right? there's. He, I think this is this is a person who sincerely was struggling with depression, and this is his way of uh, explaining that and trying to to mm-hmm. like to to show you what he feels he was going through. I think this is you know it's it's. It's Zach Braff, who it's important to remember at the time is like one of the biggest TV comedy stars, one of the highest paid TV comedy stars on the planet with a, a successful show in the coveted Thursday night must-see TV NBC lineup. Uh, and this is, and he's from New Jersey originally, and this is a movie about someone who leaves New Jersey to go to California, finds not as great success, but like some mild amount of success enough that people recognize him, even though he's working as a waiter at the time. He gets some success as an actor, uh, but he is still emotionally and chemically numb to everything and goes back to Jersey and like meets people and experiences things and goes on very low stakes adventures and comes out of this depression that he was in. And I think that's that's like really a story that he was trying to tell that is probably uh, probably didn't seem like something that he could display very often as like the big clown on scrubs Mm -hmm. and i really genuinely feel like he tried his best to make a movie about depression and i don't think he was doing it like to exploit anyone or or to Mm -hmm. to to get any undeserved attention and i think he was i you know clumsily successful kind of shallowly successful yeah Mm -hmm. I think so. Uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't even emphasize the shallow aspects. I think that he did a deep dive on himself. He just he didn't realize that because I don't think he actually like understands depression. Just you know, fumbled that. You know, yeah. like he said, like he wore kind of like a like a ornament. You I know, did write down. That, uh, it's like Magnolia with training wheels. So I think there is some element of shallowness to it, for sure. Which Scrubs, I mean. That's so two things really struck me. I like Scrubs and yet Scrubs also takes for granted has problematic like plot arcs from by our standards that are about things that you would just take for granted as a successful like cis hat white dude mm-hmm. who's succeeding in Hollywood. So it Garden State has some of that too where Nothing he does seems cruel or, but it just seems like uh, ignorant is the, is a way to say it of 
not intersectional, I guess, or, you know, it's just, it is his viewpoint. It's like yet another white guy's viewpoint, as I say this on this podcast. Um, But that doesn't detract from the thing that there's like reality to whatever he's saying. But I do think there's a shallowness and I think we're all like dancing around that and we should just say, yeah, it's not like the deepest thing. It's not as deep as I thought it was when I was 13 years old. That's for sure. No, and I'm and um, I'm I'm capable yeah. of accessing both parts of my uh, relationship to this movie for for mm-hmm. whatever the whatever it calls for. Because certainly, as time goes, has gone by, I've gone from loving it and like sitting people down and making them watch it, which we can get into because it's terrible, and to a point where I watched it uh, a couple years ago with coworkers because we have. A tradition to occasionally watch really bad movies or TV shows when we have downtime. And this was one that uh, was picked, not by me. And it was the first time I had seen it in my 30s. And, like, I, I really think it's a bad film now. And I'm, I'm really unhappy with uh, what an impact it made on me and how much of my identity was wrapped in it. So uh, I can access both of those things, though. Like, like the understanding yeah, that it's yeah, bad yeah. and also, like, a movie that helped shape my identity as a human being weirdly. Mm. I completely agree. <clears throat> For me, I just want to say that like this movie has the line, Hey, good luck exploring the infinite abyss. Hey, you, you too. too, which is like, <laughs> you're like, okay, I'm watching a bad movie, <laughs> but it also has even to this day, like I watched this last night and it had uh it has the line like, uh, I just want, I'm sorry. I'm rolling through my uh, notes because I want to. We may not be as happy as you always wanted us to be, but let's just be what we are, and that'll be better. I think, and that hit me really hard as a relevant thing right now yeah. in my like relationship with my romantic partner. Uh, and uh, so it's like wildly up and down for me. Um, Daniel, before we do get that anecdote about you forcing people to watch this, because that's very crucial, I think, to this podcast episode, but. I just wanted to ask, uh, you've seen this movie a lot. At one point, you were a supporter slash aficionado of it. Mm-hmm. Is there anything to this at all? The four key romance scenes between Sam and what's his name? Large a- man. Andrew Large Man. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Large Man are uh, first digging a grave. So, Earth. Then uh, in the pool. So can, can, I, can I stop you? Why you think that uh-huh. that first? Oh, digging a grave. Okay, there's like three different grave digging scenes. So I got confused yeah, at which one you meant. Scenes. You meant yeah, the burial I meant of pet her cemetery. Pet. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Then in the pool, so water. Then in front of a fireplace after the rain, so fire. And then finally at an airport and or at the quarry, which is a big hole or void, which would also be wind or air. My point is. <laughs> I guess I was just too high last night. I, My point is, is there anything about the four elements going I, on here? Uh, I think that's entirely coincidental. It's either coincidental okay. or um, it is exactly that on the surface. It's not, it doesn't speak to anything larger. I think if if it's anything, it's a thing that he wants to to point out to someone afterwards or he wants someone to ask him about in an interview. So he'd be like, Ah, you caught it. Yes, it's all four elements. And then in my hypothetical continuation of this conversation, the interviewer would be like, yeah, why though? 
and then Zach Braff would have nothing to say, which is sort of the, the core problem with this movie is that like a lot of it is very surface level cleverness that doesn't actually contribute to anything meaningful. There's not, there's not a why for any of it. It would just be like, yeah, you know, the way that it's a, there's four elements and then like, and so, and so I put them in. <laughs> You yeah, know? they have a long history of being in things. Yeah. That's a reference that has a storied <laughs> career. Okay, well then, what do you think, looking back, resonated so hard with you, genuinely? I, and what kind of person would you sort of voice this on? I think genuinely, so the Garden State connection was was a huge one because I, I've always loved my home state. And uh, uh, again, just to retread stuff of, of I said in the beginning where where this made me feel like it was a deep movie, which made me feel like I was a deep person for probably the first time in my life. Like I, like I was watching a thing that I thought, this might not be for everyone, but it's for me. Mm. And that was a new mm. sensation for me. And another part of it, which was, which was just personal and completely divorced from the movie itself, is I was a, this was a time in my life where I thought I was going to be an actor and I leaned comedy. I was a huge Scrubs fan. Uh, but also was occasionally in real life a sad boy. And so when I see Zach Braff, who is doing Scrubs, and then makes this very personal movie that I thought was about everything, and he was the first person to ever say it, then I was like, this is, I, this is, the, this is the career I want, which I didn't even realize was a cliche at the time. I was like, I want to be a clown. And then like in a crazy twist, I want to make something personal that reveals that sometimes, hey guys, clowns can be sad too. So now it's only me and Zach Braff right. are the only people who've ever had this thought. But like I, I love that so much. I love that so much. It was just like a like a, a huge connection point to me, and it was, mm. um, this is just pure snobbery, also. But it was the summer that Garden State came out. Was the summer that Napoleon Dynamite came out, and that was a line in the sand for me. Mm. The movie that you cared about more as a freshman in, in college in Southern New Jersey. Mm. Where, where everyone was fucking crazy about Napoleon Dynamite, a movie I never liked and I never connected with. And I was like, okay, this is what my life is going to be like. It's going to be these, these, the indie fools who like Napoleon Dynamite and us indie sophisticants who like mm -hmm. Garden State. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was a cut above. Yeah. Because uh, I was insufferable. You know, that's not a necessary for identity. No. It's not necessary to place you anywhere in a pecking order, but rather that you found something genuine in it and said, this feels more resonant to me. Yeah. I love that so much. Is I have a question for you. Uh, reflecting from it, obviously you're coming, coming at it from a 2021 lens in terms of like, you saw yourself as a child. You saw yourself as growing into a man. I don't know where you think you are now. Um, but just the idea of when you look back, would you say that what Garden State, when you like watched it those first few times, was it the and I'll and Michael as well, because you said you enjoyed this initially. Was it latching on to just the whole thing as like like holistically the tone of this like feels different than everything else it like indie is new and fresh to me and i love indie mm -hmm. or is it that there was like scenes like um or even shots where he's like where he's standing like the famous one where he's standing with the floral print in front of the wall or the whole sequence where he goes to the um 
goes to the party and just feels out of place and all the you know fast forward is happening as he's just sits motionless on the couch oh by the way in a modern viewing that party looks like it fucking sucks like (laughs) in in fast motion no one ever leaves like a three square foot radius that they're in like it's such a bizarre party if you slowed it down sorry anyway you're saying no, I'm just asking. What, yeah. Do you did you feel you had one or the other, or like how would you uh, characterize that for yourselves? Well, for me, it's definitely. I think it all boils down to. I think you're right that it's more the first camp, or I don't even know if that was your implication, but it's more column A in the sense that it's one of the first movies that I identified the concept of indie filmmaking existing and it, and like tagged that as an indie film. And so I was just like, Oh, indie, but also, you know, I don't think we can overlook the importance of, you know how you like your friend who gives you a good mixtape that has good music on it. Mm -hmm. This is how I came to know the shins and Coldplay and, uh, a lot of uh, 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 the Carey brothers and a lot of great like music. And when I look back on the movie and even rewatching it last night, by far the most memorable moment to me, the scene that it boils down to is actually the scene where she puts the headphones on his head and he hears a snippet of the shins. And I think what blew my mind as a kid, even though this does seem trite in retrospect, was I was like, I was so used to score because I w- had not seen indie film and I hadn't seen any Tarantino yet and now I was like this movie has real music in it and she says the real name of the real band that the music is like I don't so I mean maybe it's just the naivete of a child and this movie's not that good but at the time that blew my mind and it, like making part of a romance story organically sharing music and sharing media was what resonated with mm. me the most because that's also how I show love yeah, and it was what you were doing at the time, mm-hmm. you know. How about you, Dan? Yeah, that's a really great point. I it can't be overstated how uh, impactful that soundtrack was. Like there were articles in in like Rolling Stone and GQ and Esquire that were like just about the how meticulously that soundtrack was put together and how excited people were about it and how like. However, I can't remember if iTunes was enough of a thing at the time. I don't think it was. But like putting these bands on the map for a lot of people and it did have that the the whole movie did have that that vibe of like a cooler older sibling or just like a cooler older person who's like this is some good shit forget everything that you're listening to everything that you're being fed on the radio right now this is this is music that will make you interesting that was again part mm-hmm. and parcel with this whole movie that seems the more we talk about it to be like entirely designed to make 18 year olds feel cool. I don't know. It worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just way less subtle than I remember. Like I yeah. remembered uh, Sam being mysterious, but then her specific details are so scrubs like that. I was shocked. Like she has an adopted African brother to Who's learning criminology at Rutgers. And she used to be an ice skating alligator. That's like, 
sitcom writing. I'm yeah. like, it really is. Mm-hmm. It's not indie. It's that is not punch like <laughs> punch drunk love details that you're talking yeah, about here. It's zany. It's also yeah. for, for <gasps> Punch either- Drunk Love came out before Garden State. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just just another reference, uh Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind came out the same year as Garden State. I haven't watched that in forever. Do you think how do you think that holds up as far as like is I mean, it if you were, teenage we're talking about soundtracks. When we're talking about soundtracks, like, um, like it's it's all a part of the same movement to me because, like, first off, two of those films were uh, scored by John Bryan, um, who is very like Shins like, yeah, um, in his like approach, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, and like he also did like I Heart Huckabees. He did his, his score for I Heart Huckabees is like a, a regular re-listen for me. It's that, that so good. Main clarinet bit in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that there's something about obviously uh, Garden State, uh, like many like teen movies, which is surprising, uh, like where the characters themselves are like teens. Um, it's almost all source music from you know like tracks like Clueless or whatever. There's like very little score. John Bryan was taking, I think the indie movement of the time that was happening in like the 2001 to 2003 era and really solidifying it in a like Hollywood score way. So I kind of like attach all those names like Amy Mann and Fiona Apple, you know, even Frank Ocean and stuff like in my head, when I think about this movement, I think of those people, uh, garden state is definitely part of that conversation. Um, I just thought it was aft because like, yeah, it's all going on around the same time. It's helpful that you, Uh, it's helpful for me on the subject of like identity forming that you mentioned teen movies, because this is again, just a crucial stroke of timing for garden state mm -hmm. that it's, it's coming on the heels of comedies like something about Mary, American pie, Mm -hmm. road trip, Euro trip. Mm -hmm. These movies that are doing huge fucking numbers in america specifically uh like targeted for me for people who are my age and just me really struggling to find any kind of connection to that and feeling like if this is not that their approach to to sex and love is not mine uh oh boy off to college fuck this is gonna be weird and then garden state comes up and it's like no this kind of like soft sad thoughtful uh different uh prescription of it's romantic a, comedy it's that more would, adult yeah 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 it's it's literally one of the most important parts of your life where you're like bye bye that teen shit yeah because the 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 reason it succeeded so well with 17 year old me or 16 year old me however old i was and a lot of other people my age is because it's adult but also still again very surface level it's the end of this movie where he's talking to sam in the airport and he's saying I don't exactly know what the plan is. We're going to do it together. I don't have a plan. I hope it's okay. It's kind of fucked up. Let's just do it. That's like, that is, that's the answer to the question. What if the ending of The Graduate, but instead of the subtext, we just made it text. And that's like, that's mm-hmm. why it's, yeah, it exactly. appeals to 17 year old me in 2004. Because it's like, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't get The Graduate right now. Uh, doesn't sound like Zach Braff did either. So here he is just saying <laughs> what they would have been thinking but at it- the end of that movie. You're so right, though. It's so the graduate. Uh, it's like the modernized graduate. I feel uh, like it's it... also 
or at least before this conversation, I'm feeling it less now, but I was thinking of when Harry met Sally a lot and feeling like mm-hmm. it is indie. Like if you D 90s did or D indie'd it, you would have when Harry met Sally. Um, mm-hmm. Or it's it was almost like I like looking at it as such a time capsule because I think Scrubs is also very specifically has a, that feel like it's not 80s. It's not 2000s. Mm-hmm. It is a 90s feel, um, a specific period that has come and gone. And I think Garden mm-hmm. State has like that flavor and it's just a nostalgic flavor for me. Uh, mm-hmm. So I love it for that reason as well, where it's just like this was our statement on basic boy meets girl it was just our version of it and it's almost the definitive like shitheady popcorn watch it one of those Mm -hmm. uh for the 90s yeah well yeah 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 response to the 90s for sure i think it's interesting harry when harry met sally yeah 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 um harry when harry met sally you get these two unique perspectives the reason I think the graduate is more spot on is because Miss Ro- Mrs. Robinson is this like pedestal figure who you- is almost inscrutable or there's something uh, unknowing about her. And so you see it through the lens of Dustin Hoffman in this she's because she's the manic pixie dream girl. She's so specific and unique. It creates distance. Yeah. Natalie sure. Portman lies all the time. Right. She, her intelligence is slightly strange to me. Like she starts the movie by not knowing quite what acting is. Um, but she's super like wise in other moments. Like it's this like kind of zigzagging, through that makes it feel like a cartoon um which is kind of what i was alluding to before which i I think is still damaging to present it in that way um it's 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 nice and all for style but like it really does feel like this is not a real person not to make light of anything obviously but it's it is funny going back watching the movie again recently because this is another one another file for the surface level department where we meet her and it's like, I'm a pathological liar. Wow, that's a real condition. And I have epilepsy or whatever, and so I have to wear a helmet because I, I fall down. That's a real condition. That's a real thing. Mm. Uh, that makes it, make, makes it seem like this movie is going to deal with, like, adult and serious issues. And then it just, like, never happens. Like, her, there, there are no consequences to her pathological lying. We don't even really see it throughout the movie. And the epilepsy never comes up at any crucial points. It's just like, it's these things to to set the movie apart from, uh, like... Like the Method Band scene. Yeah, and it yeah. seeps into the... I was going to say, it seeps into the universe. I think too much has been made of putting it all on Sam. Like, mm-hmm. it's actually a Twee universe. His buddy Mark has just as many weird specifics, like, uh, you know, he's... 35 but he works at the cemetery burying bodies that he robs the uh them of valuables and he collects desert storm trading cards and sits around in his underwear playing guitar but to get to uh get a like a a bobble from zach braff's dead mom back he takes them on a trip to the quarry with the boat in it with the people who live like everyone is quirky it's not just sam yeah everyone except largeman essentially even the cop he runs into who uh, also had a guest run on scrubs yeah is uh quirky as hell it's like it's like a heightened twee universe specifically when i was talking about sam i wasn't talking about 
her quirks. Like her, I would say her quirk stuff is like her relationship to her pets and everything in her family with her humping dogs and that mm-hmm. like that blah blah blah. Like her, I'm gonna do an original movement. Yeah. I only brought up the yeah. medical stuff as like, oh, we're talking about serious issues now. This is a real That's thing. Pretty it's like it's yeah, a Chekhov's yeah. gun that never goes off whatsoever. We just set up these things like his depression, her epilepsy, oh, yeah. her pathological pathological liar stuff. Yeah. Just like does not matter. Not only does it have no bearing on the plot, it doesn't come up again. We never have to worry about Sam re-epilepsy. It's such a... I'm so glad you brought it up because it's such a perfect... It, the, this movie does that trick several times. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's like this magic trick. It's like a sleight of hand. Uh, for example, when you mentioned that, it reminded me of the Method Man sequence where it's like there is clearly peeping toms. There's some underground kind of thing going on that's mm-hmm. highly illegal. And they just skirt it under the rug once again by just having Method Man say, uh, raise your hand if you saw titties. All right, so then everyone fine. shut up. Yeah. You know, like, well, that, isn't that great? Isn't that great that everyone saw it? But titties? again, it does feel like a primordial version of or like a stepping stone towards the kind of heightened reality that they eventually had on Scrubs in the later seasons and that Wes Anderson has. Uh, where I guess I buy that I bought that the universe was not our universe. And I don't even know if that's mm-hmm. intentional, but it felt like a heightened reality to me just slightly, which is not something I remembered watching it the first time through, but I mean, it almost feels like I think because Zach Braff wrote it, uh, he's taking some of his sitcom familiarity and trying to bury it under a mountain of indie and deepness. And the sitcomness of it actually still shows through a little bit more than Mm -hmm. you it, more than I remembered and more than I think Zach Braff probably, probably expected true. it would. You know what and I, I, I always interpret like throwing out like throwing out details that then you don't tie up. That's a very sitcom thing because you're like, it's disposable. It's just a detail about them. Yeah. Who gives a shit? And they are cartoons. My characters are cartoons. Yeah. That's fine. Right. We're not trying to say anything. At the, at the time, I didn't interpret it super cartoony or super sitcom And I guess I stick by this because if you're making because no one was making movies about New Jersey except Kevin Smith, really. And people still aren't really making movies about New Jersey. And I think if you're going to make a movie about your home state that doesn't get talked about a lot or only gets talked about in negative ways, and you're going to call it Garden State. I think the what the impulse he has is to prove that this is just as interesting as New York City or Hollywood or Miami, Florida, all these these the, the big places they make movies about. With all their 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 flashy, larger than life characters, we've got plenty of interesting people in New Jersey too. That's what I always thought he was trying to say with that. And like, there's nothing, there's no immediate one to one for me of like I didn't go into between the walls of a hotel and like do some peeping tom shit. But life growing up in my my late teen years certainly felt like this was a I I had a crazy adventure today and ran into some weird people. And had the time of my life. I walked into a sewer with my buddy and then we were covered in mud and shit. And we rode our bikes to 7-Eleven and ran into this fucking weird guy. And then we saw a fight across the street. And then some other thing happened. Pit bulls humping, whatever it's going to be. And and you come home just feeling like, man, only in New Jersey. And I'm sure that is not specific to growing up in 
lower middle class New, New Jersey, Jersey and is true yeah. of every adolescent experience everywhere. But mm. yeah. uh, I think that's what made the movie so resonant with a lot of people is like anyone who who is from kind of a, a what seems like to an uninformed person, an unexciting place. And then you see Garden State that is like, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 They're, we're all we're all interesting. We're all interesting everywhere. You don't need to be from LA to be interesting. There's this guy shirtless all the time and he lives with his mom and his mom is fucking his high school buddy and his high school buddy's a knight mm. and he wears the knight costume Who's to breakfast. Sheldon? Yeah, Sheldon. And Jim, Sheldon. Jim Parsons oh, is fucking his mom. It's great. And that's that like, I don't know. Did that seem authentic to your Jersey experience? The no. Jim Absol Parsons in a knight's costume? <laughs> Absolutely <No>. not. <laughs> uh... I love that. Also, uh, interesting note that uh, supposedly he wanted to call it for a long time Large's Ark, which is just a terrible name. That can't be and true. Enough people convinced him that on his short list of titles, that Garden State was the only good one. That is Large's Ark. That's. I never liked this movie, and I've always hated it, and that's why. <laughs> now <laughs> retroactively, the fact the <laughs> fact that he thought this movie that at at any point in his life he thought this movie should have been called Largest Arc is so devastating yeah, it changes to me. Everything. That's I, I don't think it would have been devastating to you if you were if you were you watched it and it was marketed the way it was marketed. Well, like just, he does Garden find State an, is that's a that's a he finds an arc, but hit. it doesn't really belong to him. I, I wonder hit, if though. that title was pre some changes in the draft, like if there was going to be more of a payoff at the arc. But Garden State's definitely the winner this, for sure. This movie was marketed on, well, I mean, first and foremost, Zach Braff and Natalie Portman. Second of yeah. all, the him wearing the shirt yeah. <laughs> against the wall. Third of all, the shins. Every mm -hmm. every teen is in 2004 is watching this movie because of those things, not because it's fucking about New Jersey. Hey, I'm, hey, I'm, hey I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still hung up on this title. It's the same to me as if, if someone had told me, like, if Brian Singer said in an interview, I mean, he's not a great poll. If M. Night Shyamalan had <laughs> said in an interview, you know, I had Sixth Sense and then uh, it was really like the last day of shooting that someone said Bruce Willis should be dead. And so we just like got one take of it. If I had learned that, then I'd be like, you have no business making this movie. I can't believe I trusted you for so long. You didn't. You you don't know what's good about this. Small digression. Are you excited as I am to watch old? Yes. It's called yes. old. It's called, it's called old. old. It's called old. <laughs> it's not even called. They grow up so fast. I mean, it's right there. Um, God, it's so great. All right, we're back. <laughs> we're back. Well. Speaking of Large's arc, I I also noticed this time, which I find hilarious and very indicative of kind of the simplicity and some of the blind spots of this film, are that they establish that he, like the guy in the arc literally says, I'm going to put the baby down right now. I'm putting my baby to sleep. Yeah. And then they go outside and within 10 feet of that home, they stand on a bus and scream as loud as they can over and over. I just really wanted the guy to come out and be like, my baby, like I just told you. <laughs> Don't what scream. the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah, I just said good luck to you with the abyss thing. I'm a good guy. Stop <laughs> screaming outside my arc. Um, and then also, as while well, I'm on plot holes, and I just want to know if I'm right about this, is it established that when he was nine, he pushed his mom, she got paralyzed, he was sent to boarding school, 
And he hasn't been home since. So he hasn't been home since he was nine. I think he was home. He was home. He yeah. just went to boarding school and came back and was like changed. That's the. Okay. Okay. Cause I just didn't understand how the fuck all the people in the town even knew him if he oh, left yeah, when he yeah. was yeah. nine. No, no, yeah. No, 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 no. I think it was something he was there for, for, I don't know, three to five years. Yeah. And I did still really it? laugh at the joke. I thought you killed yourself. That wasn't you? No. Yeah. Who killed good. themselves? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who ki- there, there's some great, uh, I do, as we're talking about, you know, the part of this movie is the place. Uh, there's a lot of good characters in this. In the same, like, dazed and confused kind of era aimless ambling films typically just throw random napoleon dynamite did as well just like we're gonna throw you a random person you've never seen before jim parsons is very good i like his scene a lot the guy at the store who's like clearly caught up in some kind of pyramid scheme and is trying to uh jeffrey aren't or whatever his name is who's trying to like Mm -hmm. he goes into sales pitch mode uh i wanted to talk to you both about an exciting opportunity. Like, this guy's great. This weird little I mean, guy it's all the way. Avoid. It's in the DNA of it, right? So, like, that's another thing I wanted to talk about is, like, Sheldon in the suit of armor. That is exactly the same thing. It's like, there is a story there. And that's kind of, like, what the movie's about, right? The movie's about, there is, it's like that word, fuck, what is the word? Sonder. Sonder mm-hmm. is the name of the word. The thought that you uh, instantaneously have sometimes mm-hmm. that everyone's life is just as complex as yours um i've never that had that happens thought. to a, never had that i've never once had that uh, yeah and so like this is what that movie's trying to recreate yet it's trying to do a lot of stuff like what i what i find most problem like biggest problems of this film in terms of like just looking at it as a film is that it's trying to do too much because it doesn't know exactly what it's trying to say. It's just mm-hmm. saying a lot of broad truths. But I know you love Dazed and Confused. So is it not acceptable as a slice of life movie? Or why don't you buy it on that count? I think Dazed and Confused is the whole point of that movie is that it's doing that. I agree. I don't I don't think Garden I think Garden State threw in a lot of the slice of life stuff. Not threw in. I think it was integral to the DNA. But I also think Garden State wanted to be about something. Or at least wanted to like trick you into thinking it was about something by like by invoking a bunch of deeper serious things like we're going to talk about depression and medication yeah. and like i'm the reason that she's in the wheelchair that's like okay we're we're, right. we're trying to say something with this this is this is not just a random party, at the a, moon party tower. In, at the moon tower yeah yeah that's but, true but uh, at the end of the day it's like yeah what it has to say is if you're on the wrong medication go off it uh, life sometimes is not good. You have to yeah. just keep going. There's no other option. <laughs> it's like low-hanging fruit deep stuff, yeah. for sure. The closest it got for me was, I think, the bedside conversation between him and Ian Holm, who doesn't speak a lot in yeah. this movie, is probably the best it gets. He says this thing is like, it's okay for me to be me and you to be you and that's okay we're gonna be okay uh i found that that resonated a lot with me yeah. in terms of family you know um and i like you that you don't have to be something that you imagine someone should be you don't have to be a, a thing that you don't have to play at something yeah uh i think that that's very true or and if you're always waiting for the alignment to be right you'll never actually get there and you will have run out the clock you sure, gotta just yeah. start experiencing shit you just got to be happy with yourself. And yeah. 
this is what it is. And this is us sitting here being ourselves. And that's all the labels necessary. Uh, that, I think, is the closest oh, it gets to Oh, that moment got me, too. Unique. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think that's unique to this film. I haven't heard that in other films. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, I Abe, do... look at me. Yeah? Look at me. Well, yes. You yes. changed my life. Uh, hey. Whoa. Uh, executive producer Danny DeVito. That was a real turn for me. Jersey, Jersey boy. Jersey oh, boy. is that there why? Is, yeah. I mean, you can't answer that, but <laughs> <laughs> he did a lot of random stuff, wasn't he? He was big into. Uh, yeah, there it is, Gattaca. Yeah, Gattaca. Yeah, to be, really. He produced films like Pulp Fiction, Get Shorty, Aaron Brockovich, Gattaca, Garden man. State. Yeah. What a smart, that, smart man. He just was like picking random ones because he had money. But yeah, good yeah. taste. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote down a lot of lines that I'm like, that's yeah. it's fit just because it's simple doesn't make it not true. Yeah. If I get to be with this person, my beautiful baby, that's all I need. It's like yeah, I can see why really as a young person. Yeah. I was like, like, that seems wise. Dennis O'Hare's performance in that, like he really fucking mm -hmm. sells it when he's talking about his wife and his kid. He's it. You really, you really buy that. And he seems like such a yeah. for the I him and the doctor in the beginning of the movie who tells Zach Braff he should not be on lithium anymore, or and that he shouldn't mm -hmm. have had his father as his primary doctor filling his prescriptions for so long. Right. These two older men bookending the movie, I think, is a really smart smart choice, intentional or not, because you've got Ian Holm, who is, by design, the coldest person in the world in this movie. This is just this very distant force. I think that's why he doesn't speak so much, is that we can just, like, let him be this strange block of ice that we never really talk about, but it's clear has this huge impact on Zach Braff's character. Large man. Uh, and then, meanwhile, you mm. counter that with this doctor who is so funny this this immediate doctor who's like who's who's very funny and very like warm and like slaps him a little bit like just gives him that one jolt of feeling when he's talking about mm -hmm. you, you're gonna be okay yeah i think so yeah of course you are you're alive which is another line that stuck with right. me this this Love warm paternal line. figure yeah. in the beginning and then you get the warm paternal figure at the end this dennis o'hare character who is just like calming i'm gonna make you tea I have garbage bags for you. That's like, that's a that's solid parent move to just know like, oh, you're going to be in the rain here. Take these garbage bags. And he's also going to tell you about like a love for his wife and child that he is completely not just, it's not just that he's not afraid to express it, but that he's like excited to, and he's proud of it. Like this is a, this is a smart move by the movie to, to give large man a couple of other options for what, like paternal affection life can, can look like, like oh yeah like. yeah absolutely other line that really got me uh yeah i was just about to bring up that doctor line it's so short but it's so good and i tell myself that sometimes still yeah yeah you're all right you're alive on along similar lines uh i really think there is something to sam's line about how everything can be positively reframed, essentially, if you have the right mindset. Mm -hmm. She says, I cry, but in between I laugh, and I remember how silly it is to take anything too seriously. Plus, I look forward to crying. It feels pretty good, so it's like you can't lose. Uh, mm -hmm. I really liked that. It's it's severely a hit and miss, I yeah. think. 
our thesis remains true but uh but it definitely hits sometimes i've certainly soured uh, I, like as a movie about garden state about new jersey mm-hmm. loving it when it first came out because it was like yes we're all interesting everyone's a character this is this is what it's like as i've gotten older and like have seen zach braff in interviews call it a love letter to new jersey and it's like well all of your characters is are it, some version of stuck and lost simultaneously and you've got yeah. like Mm-hmm. Like the trashiest, like shirtless grave robber who lives with his mom and smokes weed all the time. Like, come on, man. Like that, that's, that's, th- there's probably a person hey, like that that exists th- in New yeah. Jersey and he was a great character in the film. But like, there's even your millionaire character. I was going to say they balance him out with lost a millionaire. idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's he shoots nothing. flaming arrows at people. We yeah. meet, we meet. <laughs> No one who has anything figured out, and the closest that we come to it is Dennis O'Hare, who professionally watches a pit. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's Ian it. Holmes got shit figured mm-hmm. out. He's keeping his son under control. <laughs> forcible medication. Yeah. I do want to... Peter Sarsgaard is really good in this. He's great. He almost, sure. He's yeah. super good. And Gene Smart, too. Uh, I think that might have been the first time I saw yeah. Gene Smart. Yeah, Gene Smart I, I didn't watch Designing Women, yeah. but... He was great in this. By the way, I doubt people who saw Napoleon Dynamite were like, yep, that's New Mexico. You got it. <laughs> so I don't you think either it. really nailed it. Yeah. That's Sorry, true. Abe, you were saying? It's, well, maybe it's not. I don't know. But yeah, uh, we were talking about older films uh, and like how this is. And I think that's just a testament to the fact that we tell the same tales uh, to the same groups of people through time. Uh, you know, so teens are going to get the same lessons regardless of um you know the era or at least mm-hmm. the last hundred years definitely with cinema uh do you guys think maybe it's because i like this movie so much but there's ferris bueller's day off cameron uh there's a shot of zach braff early in the movie where he is uh completely submerged he's in his bed and he's like tucked in as tucked as you can get which like feels very ca- how we're introduced to Cameron. Mm-hmm. There's also sequence during the party where he's like looking at some fabric and it's a shot from his face that keeps getting closer to the fabric, much like they did in Ferris Bueller's day off with Cameron looking at the, right, the painting. painting. Yeah. And I was like, and also Zach Braff is character in this is very much another character who is uh, like Cameron depressed but maybe he doesn't need to be is kind of the statement that the film is making which is a strange statement i understand but Mm -hmm. it is the kind of what they're trying to go for is that you you can like wake up or like just get like shocked into reality sometimes and like your past life is disposable and you can be a new thing and that's what that's uh that's what adulthood is all about i swear like yeah 35 percent of story plots used to be You do see it less now, but used to be I meet someone uh, who is of use to me because it catalyzes me realizing Mm -hmm. that I was fine all along. Don't worry about what happens to them. Yeah, they were there to catalyze me. Uh, It's interesting that 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 story isn't as popular these days. It's uh, yeah. Zora the Zorba the Greek, I want to say. Um, but yeah, it's it feels like it's just something we keep telling teens. Yeah, uh, and I don't think it's a bad thing to tell teens. I, I didn't like, I didn't love it as a like a, a retrospect 
in retrospect, as a lesson for young Daniel to learn, because as as much as I positively connected with that movie, there was another part of me that, as the movie wants me to, fell in love with Natalie Portman, who was done completely dirty in this movie. But I fell in love with <laughs> her, and of course, by which I mean fall in love with the idea of her, and thought like, I I thought of this as uh, an aspirational romantic model where right. all I need to do is be this continue being this like guy who we all agree on the inside is interesting and deep and good uh while bringing really nothing to any table anywhere all i need to do is be that and then the most dynamic and amazing woman in the world will fall for me for no clear reason that's never on display in the film uh that was I well. Think, she will in a story that you write for yourself right, to start. Right. <laughs> yes, certainly. Uh, That's true. Yeah. That yeah. was was not like I. I don't think the the healthiest or smartest uh, like romantic male role model for me to to aspire to, which I I did for no, a while. Just yeah. Like, yeah. I'm gonna be like, I know Zach Braff's really really great because he's the hero of the movie, and I'm the hero of my own mm. movie. So, uh, okay, now where is the woman who will love me? Present yourself, please. Love me, mm-hmm, love me, yeah. love me for the deep things inside of me that I don't talk about. And right. then I'll put up with your uh, quirky irritation, like your peculiarities, and yeah. that will make us even. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. It feels more like a, or almost like a Star Trek episode, because TNG does this, or it feels like a journal of Zach Braff's where he says 50 things that he, all of which he thinks are deep and true and resonant. And like 13 of them are. Yeah. Um, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of other filler in there. There's like a lot of just random nonsense. So it depends what you latched onto, but there's definitely good stuff you could latch onto. Um, but man, yeah, if you're w- talking about like feeling entitled to a partner that will just come save you. That goes way back. We can't yes. put that solely at the feet of Zach Braff. I'm certainly not doing that. That, that, <laughs> that, that story's been told a thousand times and still yeah. continues to be told this day. But it's just one of those things that like, uh, and when I say it was a bad lesson for me to learn, it's it's fine. Almost any time we talk about movies right. with secretly terrifying messages, it doesn't, it's it's actually fine. Like I, like I turned out great, everybody. So, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy looking back on it and thinking how many of the other side characters are more dynamic than Zach Braff. Because like a lot of the, the problems that I'm putting on the, the depiction of Sam is that her falling for large man is just a masturbatory exercise on his part. And like, it's never earned. You never mm. understand why she would do that because looking back on it now, especially as an adult, it's hard to see why anyone would love this character. He brings nothing to the table. Uh, it's good that he's working on himself. That's the best thing you could say about him is that by the end of the movie, he's working on well, himself. Well, that doesn't happen until um, the very, very end. And yeah. he goes, I'm going to try. Yeah. yeah. But also, yeah, like, like rewatching it again, I'm like, that's it. man, Peter Sarsgaard, you're the romantic lead in this. Like, you've got, you're, you're kind of stuck in a little bit of a rut, <laughs> but like, you've got, I, I don't know, he's got ideas. He, he, he's, he seems like he's got, he seems like a, a, a passionate guy. I, I don't know. There's, he's just like, immediately more interesting to me and that doesn't i'm not saying that sam should have ended up with him uh i just feel like her ending up with zach braff is the right ending for this movie but like a an unearned twist on it because there's a part of the movie where 
she doesn't seem to have any romantic feelings for him. And then just at some point decides to. See, that's why I think like same year, Eternal Sunshine, so much better just because it's about two lost people finding each other. If like Sam was lost, totally changes this entire movie, right? Yeah. And I feel like it could do a lot more work because it would be like, oh, they're both trying to find each other. And in this trying to find something, they found each other, they found love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And Sam might have been lost, but we didn't know if Sam was lost because they didn't give us that information because that was not Sam's job in the movie. Sam's job was to fix Zach Braff. Well, she used up all her screen time just describing facts like just this is true of me. This is true. I can tap dance. I can ice skate, blah, blah, blah. Don't but you love she it? never got a scene where she was like, I have this desire. Yeah. There was just no time for her arc, essentially. And no scene of her yeah. doing what I, when I watched it most recently, when I want to scream at it, is like, hey man, I'm spending a lot of time with you. Stop being so fucking mopey, please. You are so <laughs> exhausting to be around. Like the, the guy mm-hmm. shooting fire arrows into the sky, that was scary. But still like, he's doing something, man. There, you're You're presenting me with, a whole bunch of other more dynamic people to fall in love with and you're you're just you're just a sad sack the whole time and uh that must have been what resonated with me as a kid being like yeah sometimes i'm a sad sack and i want someone to love me anyway can yeah (laughs) yes no i agree completely it's funny because like it's in Dan Harmon's story circle or whatever, and that is a step that the screenplay I think technically omits, which is the cost of gaining your thing you gain. And in this movie, that's sort of facilely boiled down to, I gotta go back to LA. No, I give up my acting career to stay here with you. But it happens within the space of 30 seconds. And so I think to a lot of us that feels weird because it feels like for Zach Braff to get what he was after something else should have been given up. Uh, and at the same time, man, I can't, couldn't identify more with exactly what Zach Braff is sort of saying in his selfish honesty in the sense that, and Kurt Vonnegut talks about this. He says, the thing that's unique about humans is they want it to be proven to them that they are loved and deserve love just for existing and not having to do anything. That's like, that's what we all crave is unconditional validation somehow that's not transactional, even though we suspect that all love is transactional. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's like, yeah, you do. You desire to be uh, valuable in a void, valuable in and of yourself, like just your existence. And sometimes you're just, you're a sad boy and you want, someone to like it's almost, save yeah. you anyway even though you don't deserve it yeah i'm gonna sit like around setup of this movie. waiting for someone to make me the kind of person who will run from the airport and quit my job and that's that's a very romantic thing to do in a movie but yeah uh, like i'm trying to think of taste in music the, the 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 best and most interesting women in my life the ones who i would quit my job and run through an airport for wouldn't fall for someone who's just like sitting around moping all the time they would fall for the oh the, that's the, true the, they would the, not put up with that the person shit, yeah. afterwards yeah that's all yeah, yeah it's like the, they'll see scars guard and they'll be right. like i can fix scars guard yeah. <laughs> go for that <laughs> that's me complaining that it's the movie a- is not real life which is a silly thing to do this is a fairy tale about a person who starts at, at point a of numbness and point b of let's feel everything all the time yeah and like i can't be too mad at 
how he chose to represent that journey. Yeah, I think that I think we can all agree, or at least I feel like you guys have all said versions of this, that this movie is ultimately uh, pointing out some very true visceral things about humanity, observations about where we find ourselves at. In other words, describing the setup extremely well and then refusing an, uh, almost in every case of giving any real insight in how to solve it. Um, I would argue that it gives a bunch of extra insights that aren't that good. It feels I like mean, it has filler insight all the time. To the point of almost <laughs> being a smoke bomb so you don't see that it's not doing anything. Like, yeah. that's what I'm arguing. Uh, I think there's genuine, like, going back to what I started off with, I think he's genuine in how he starts off with this, but mm -hmm. he just doesn't know what to say. Yeah. That just like with that final beat, we don't, we literally don't see Zach Braff under, like, realize the big realization in the movie of like, no, I got to go back to Sam. I got to get off this plane. We don't see that. He just gets off the plane. Well, uh, we see it. I mean, you just see his eyes shift one millimeter. I don't know if it counts, but you see a but shot of him sitting to in the plane. What am I, as a viewer, what am I supposed to get from that? I guess they're not yeah. holding my hand in that regard. So I don't know. True. I don't know. I thought I that moment did bump me. I thought his acting would be more, especially because he goes big like Zach Braff, like he's a Ooh! like yeah. type of actor. I expected to see it in his eyes more that he that his whole life changed. Um, but it's really just a static shot of him sitting on the plane, and then it cuts to him yeah. going, "Never mind, I'm back." Yeah, or going <laughs> like, "Oh, I fucked up." I fucked up so bad. <laughs> yeah, so he should have screamed to the people next to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I just think it's honestly just the movie generally has an awkward dismount. Like the dismount is not yeah. very, it was weird. It feels weirdly abbreviated to just have seen at the airport, single shot on the plane. He's back in the airport credits. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's anthemic of the movie. Uh, all of its payoffs are, confusing did either you guys see the i mean he took many years and he scraped together and did like another movie that's this similar tone and genre like uh didn't he have the kickstarter that i wish you were yeah, here that was the one that that had the kickstarter and i definitely saw it in theaters and heaven help me i remember so little about this movie i don't Couldn't think it tell was good about it there yeah. was it there was it was a similar vibe in that there was a lot of quirky characters popping up throughout like Donald Faison is in it and Josh Gad plays someone Mandy Patinkin is his dad oh. and like it seems no. like sort of similar to Garden State where that movie in addition to the Natalie Portman stuff really felt like it was built around the scene with him and his dad this scene is this movie really the money scene is his scene with Mandy Patinkin I think on Mandy's deathbed and that's like okay that's the thing you had to say uh, but the rest yep. of this movie Boy. It's about a struggling actor who lives in Los Angeles whose father is on his deathbed. Wow, very yeah. Garden State-y. Yeah. So, he seems, Zach Braff seems to be very good at scenes where there's an older gentleman in a bed, <laughs> yeah. and he's mm -hmm. talking to him. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just see that all the time. And Ian Holm is good at playing an old guy yeah. in a bed, if you'll recall, That's Lord true. of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we found a, we're finding a thesis here, people. Yeah, I didn't see that at all. Yeah. Okay. It definitely sounds like I didn't, but I promise you I did. <laughs> yeah, I swear I did. It sounds like yeah. I just read Wikipedia, but uh, yeah. I don't know what else I want to say about this. 
no. The only thing that we we've alluded to that is just uh, a, a, an insufferable choice of mine was this was a movie, uh, and I'm not proud of this. Um, no one should do it with any movie where I would. There was this was like a uh, like a date movie if and when I was in college, like freshman and sophomore year of college, when I would bring someone home and was like, mm-hmm. "We're gonna put on this movie," and it wasn't a movie that she had had any say in watching. And it wasn't a movie that, like, we would enjoy together. The purpose of the movie was very much like, I want you to see this movie, and then we're going to talk about it afterwards. Like, it's very transparently like, hey, girl on a date with me, watch this movie where, like, a boring, sad guy gets saved by a cute woman. (laughs) Uh, And then, like... Your thoughts? And then, like, yeah. (laughs) Just doing anything for you? It's like a litmus test. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even think I was, it was, I wasn't so transparent about it as like, uh, this could be us. I was worse than that. It was very much like, now I know this movie is deep and good. So you need to prove to me that you also know it's it's deep and good or else this is never going to last. And like the folly of you. Yeah. Don't do that with any movie with any person. My, my brother has a rule when we were like growing up because we'd had, we'd be doing carpools a lot. And he's like, no new music in the car because like, I'm a captive there. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, (laughs) how are we supposed to show you shit? That's so funny. I don't know. Just by saying field. Just by saying, like, I don't know. Oh, you you'll like this. To, watch it at your own leisure. Okay. If you happen to yeah. have Apple TV, watch Ted Lasso. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, you brought us you brought us full circle Ted Lasso run by Bill Lawrence, the showrunner of Scrubs. Hey. hey. And Zach Braff, uh, Zach Braff directed okay. several episodes of Ted Lasso. There you go. Now we're finally right. allowed to stop. Um, but... <laughs> I also just wanted to say I did test uh, people that I wanted to date in college with Arrested Development for real. Like, yeah, if you didn't laugh audibly at certain points, I'd be like, not that we can't date, but I can now gauge your intellect is at this level because you didn't get that joke. It went over your head, you know. Mm-hmm. This sort of the AD Let's, quotient. Oh, uh, sorry, babe. I, I'm I'm getting kind of tired. Really, you're tired. There's still like 23 minutes left in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm real tired. You should probably head out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you blue want me to myself? It's see blue in both senses of the word. You know what? I gotta get. <laughs> oh out yes, yeah. yes, yes. All Explain right. it. I'll go. Do you want me to turn the TV off? No, leave the TV on. The TV did nothing wrong. <laughs> TV's not making me tired. Another set of suns. Oh my god. Uh. Yeah, so I guess it feels so weird to do with you. But Daniel, where can people find you? I uh, Emmy Emmy Award winner Daniel O'Brien, where can people find you and follow your work? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at DOB underscore INC. Uh I don't really do much there because I hate Twitter. Um I'm I've been told to to plug the podcast that I do with Soren Bowie, whom if you're familiar with me, you're familiar with him. It's called Quick Question with Soren and Daniel. We released one episode a week sometime on Fridays uh we've been doing it for a couple of years now I really think we're hitting our stride but I'm also kind of over it so you know you, <laughs> oh he's so cool guys you probably, so you're bound you're soon to get the runners high where you just break into a whole new level and it, the podcast gets that much briefer and better. yeah to the new level it's like hey. 11 minutes of gold 
on the day that we're recording this, it's uh, Emmy noms. Congratulations yet again to you and your uh, work family. Oh, thank you. Yes, we've been very lucky. I think we have, uh, I want to pull it up exactly. Yeah, we have seven nominations. It's a fantastic team. We're outstanding variety series, outstanding director for a variety series. That's Chris Warner. Outstanding writing for a variety series. That's the whole team. Outstanding production design, sound mixing, technical direction, single camera picture editing. Uh, very proud of the show. It was wild to do a show in the pandemic and to continue to do a show in the pandemic. And uh, awards don't mean anything, and they won't change anyone's career. But they're Not still... after you win the first one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they're still nice to have, and it's, it's exciting to be part of a very cool uh, group of other nominees. Absolutely. Yeah, well Small Beans fans, if you like this podcast and you liked Daniel talking about Garden State, <laughs> check out the Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> or HBO. <laughs> no, you guys did great this year. Oh, thanks, man. So, oh, I, I it's watching, we're endless. I mean, I guess I shouldn't speak for him, but it makes me endlessly happy just to know where you're at and what you're doing. It's so cool, dude. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. You as well. This has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!